Welcome to the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast from Nashville, Tennessee. I am your host, John Martin Keith. Celebrities, working class musicians, and people who work behind the scenes in all areas of the music industry will share their stories, encourage you, and give practical advice of ways you can make a living doing what you love in the music industry. This episode is brought to you by Edenbrook Productions. Edenbrook Productions is the company I founded to help musicians grow in their craft. Are you a songwriter, but maybe you've been told your songs aren't quite there yet? Or are your songs ready, but you don't feel stage ready? Or maybe music is your passion, but you feel imprisoned by your day job and you don't know what to do next to make your dream a reality. Well, Edenbrook Productions is here to help. We offer consulting services via phone call, Skype, and FaceTime. And for the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast listeners, we're offering an introductory one-hour consultation special. Click on the link in the show notes to contact me, and let's get you making a living in the music industry. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the show today. This week, I am talking with hit songwriter, composer, and producer Alex Garingas from the company Rare Behavior. His songs have been recorded by Snoop Dogg, Jesse J., and Cher, just to name a few, and his music is used in multiple movies, including Pitch Perfect 3 and the Lego Ninjago movie, and the TV shows Beat Shazam and Trollstopia. We are talking about what it's like to produce major artists who are recording your songs, the differences in scoring music for film versus TV, and the reality of professionals having to prove themselves with every new project, even when you have a list of successes in the business. Get your pen and pad and get ready to take lots of great, great notes. Hey guys, I am here talking to Alex Garingas in California. How are you today, sir? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. It is so good to talk to you. Thank you so much for coming on <laughs> to my show and Likewise. talking with me and sharing your expertise and your story of how you've been successful in the music industry. I'm very grateful oh, sure. to have you on. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So just so my audience knows how how we know each other now, uh, this is our first time to actually get to talk. We've talked over email right. and, and Facebook a few times. Mm -hmm. But my friend Hope Thal, who is a mutual friend of ours, um, she has been on my show and she and I co-write together sometimes. And um, she works with you or for you, for your company, um, because you do composing for different TV shows and, and projects like that. And so she was on the show recently and when we were talking she was explaining what part of what she does for your company and and i was like i need to talk to this guy you know <laughs> and, uh, and find out what you you know more about what you do and how you've been successful right. in in this industry so um so it's cool to talk to you i appreciate you coming on oh pleasure yeah if you will let's do this let's just kind of start from the beginning and tell us tell the audience where you're from how you right. got into music and what's led you down this path in the music industry? You know, my story starts with my parents who are both classical musicians and who relocated from Russia when I was four and a half years to Germany. And um, so I had always like music in my mother milk. I always saw my parents practicing and, um, and you know, invest in their art. And then at a certain moment after I um, rejected to play cello, and became a basketball uh, player, um, I somehow found the piano for me and it gave me like a lot of um, possibilities to express myself. And I started playing piano when I was like 14, so pretty late. And then 
um, I pretty much saw that my parents, uh, who are so extraordinary in, in their field, um, so I can, you know, nobody needs a second cellist in the family or a second pianist. So, but I somehow um, started to get getting interested in acting. And when I was 18, I um, applied for acting schools and uh, did auditions and they took me into German big schools. So I became an actor first, which led me to become a theater director too and a playwright and uh, all in one solution <laughs> right, for yeah. theater needs. Yeah, and right. I loved I loved like the story uh, telling aspect and everything. And just uh, parallelly to that theater ca- career, a friend of mine came to me and said to me, "Hey, dude, why don't we just just write a hit song?" And I was like, "How do you?" how do you write a hit song? I don't even, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean by that? Right. And um, and then he said, you know, it should be actually pretty easy. We pick a topic, What you know, pick something what everybody likes. And I go like, what does everybody like? He said, for example, vacation. Everybody wants to go on vacation. So mm. let's do a song about vacation. <laughs> sure. And then um, I said, okay, why not? So, and then he said to me, you're an actor, so you can write lyrics. I go like, I never wrote any lyrics before. And, um, but as he was very convincing, I, you know, I wrote a couple of rap lyrics and then, and then the German dream kind of began. So we got a lyric, which was great. Or he thought it was great. He did a great track to that, which I couldn't do at that time at all by myself. And we pitched it, we recorded a singer on it. We recorded some rappers on it. We pitched it to a publisher. The publisher loved it, pitched it to a record label, and we got a deal. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> on your first song you ever wrote? It was absolutely crazy. That's and, crazy. Um, and I must also say, yeah, it's it's like you said, it's the first song I ever wrote, but it's also up to today the, the biggest flop of my career so far. <laughs> Because, well, um, because uh, you know, it came out, but nobody actually wanted to listen to it. Nobody wanted to know about it. So, you know, it didn't sell at all. But a producer, um, uh, a very famous producer in Germany, Thorsten Brötzmann, he, uh, he heard it. And he said, hey, guys, you actually as an act and uh, as rappers, you really suck. But um, I feel um, you are great producers and uh, great lyricists. Why don't we do a project together? And so he um, started to do a rap project with us. And um, (laughs) the first song we ever wrote was my first top 10 hit in Germany. And the second song we wrote for that project was my first number one hit in Germany, which was also the um, theme song for the very first Big Brother season in Germany. Okay, okay. And my first platinum record, and uh, platinum record, and uh, up till today, I have sixteen number one hits in Germany. And, oh my goodness! Um, so I started with um, with songwriting, but in two thousand eight, um, you know, after after you're getting successful and everything, it's it's great, and you you have a lot of recognition. And I loved songwriting, but I always knew something is missing inside because because of my acting and theater background, I always, and my ability to tell stories and my will, willingness to tell stories and focus on that. Um, I got to my publisher and said, um, hey, I would love to pitch for movies. And um, yeah, and then I pitched for movies. And one of the first pitches I, 
I won and um, then I was seeing myself, you know, writing a big film score and uh, arranging um, arranging for 90-man orchestra and um, that was a lot of fun so I so I kept doing this and um, I got to work on couple of um, Warner Brother features in Germany and Universal Germany features. And then... <laughs> so let me ask you this. You're, con- yeah. you're conducting uh, a 90-piece choir. And like, did you have any experience as being a conductor or, or orchestrating or arranging music? No, that- I was I was saying I'm, I was more like arranging, uh, you know, I was writing cues for a 90-man orchestra. Okay. I was not conducting it myself. Okay. Um, no, I was writing. I was writing the music for it. Right. Um, I could conduct, but it's not. It's not either my forte, nor I like the situation when when you're scoring. And um, I, I I like to be more on the producer side. You know, read read the score and uh, give my notes to the conductor instead of uh, opposed to um, be in the booth myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah, but then you know, but 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 then in two thousand in two thousand ten, I I always wanted to go to, to go to America. It was a huge dream for me. I always told my publishers, "Hey guys, I think I have I have a better feeling for American music than for um, German or European music." And they were like literally smiling and laughing at me. And um, <laughs> but I you know I kept going on. I kept uh, annoying them, and so they sent me out to LA, and then. Um, and then, yeah, one of the first people I I met in LA in 2010, we were just on a trip. I took, you know, I took my my wife and then our baby kids just to feel it out for two months. If you know, if I like to work here, if if it's maybe the place to be. Right. And one of the first people I wrote with is a fantastic genius songwriter who you guys uh, in Nashville know very well. It's Busby. And yeah. we we wrote um, the song "Dark Side" together about my ex girlfriend, um, who landed to be one of uh, Kelly Clarkson's single singles at that time, mm-hmm. and that was the reason that uh, you know that brought us to to LA. So we said after that it was it was starting to blowing up. It uh, yeah. it made the Grammys and and everything. So we thought. You know, if we move, move then we got to move now, and then we move to LA. <laughs> right. Let, let me ask you this: um, So, when you're coming here for that trip, and you met Busby, um, how did you how did you meet him? How did you make that connection? Yeah. So I I was signed at that time to uh, BMG. Okay. I was one of the very first signings um, in to BMG Germany, and um, they were the ones. Uh, so they connected who, you, yeah. Okay. Yeah, they connected me. You know, they would send me out on a trip to Nashville and connect me with Nashville writers. They would send me out to LA and connect me uh, with LA writers. And right. uh, at Busby, um, they thought um, my publisher at that time, Susan Koch, who was a fantastic A and R and fantastic publisher, she she was the one who connected me directly with Busby. And um, yeah, we we hit it off pretty fast together. And uh, wrote a couple of amazing songs together, but even more became great friends. So yeah. I'm, I'm still mourning his death and uh, yeah. still still can't get over it. Sure. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry for your loss. For yeah. That. I know Thank it's you, hard. Man. Appreciate it. Um, okay. So then once you made the move here, um, continue. I, I interrupt you, interrupted you there, but I wanted to kind of get that backstory there, but yeah. continue on. 
So um, through the connections my uh, publisher did for me, uh, I also got to write with um, um, with a production production collective called the Monsters and the Strangers, who are these days pretty famous because they have right now like five songs in the top 20. They did Memories from Maroon 5. They did um, Selena Gomez songs. They did Zats uh, and Myron Morris, The Middle. And right. um, yeah. we connected very well. They're all fantastic, super talented guys. But moreover, um, I got to meet their manager at that time, Jonathan Gordon. And, um, and Jonathan became my manager, my best friend, and meanwhile, my business partner. Hmm. And um, yeah, and so, and Jonathan was also the, the, the driving force who um, told me right away, you know, when we met, he said, you're, you're a great songwriter and everything, but I think here in the States, you should focus on doing film and TV because I feel you have more the mentality and the talent to go in that direction. And um, basically one day after we agreed to work with each other, he connected me to DreamWorks <laughs> Animation. Wow. And um, yeah, and from there on, I, you know, up till today I'm doing, did over 500 episodes of episodic TV. I did um, a couple of features. I had end title credit songs with uh, Jesse J and and with other big artists on uh, with Cher and with I don't know what. Um, I, I got very very lucky and very blessed to work with a lot of industry amazing great people and. Um, yeah, and then just building, um, I, I built two studios here in LA. Um, I'm building my company, Rare Behavior, with my manager, meanwhile. So things are good. <laughs> so how important do you think it is as far as building relationships within the industry? We know that the music industry pretty much is built on relationships. But mm -hmm. I'm just curious from coming from Germany over to the States, um, if there's any difference in the way things work over there as opposed to over here um, or, or not for one. And then, you know, also just, you know, as you get to know people, cause you're getting, you're getting set up to write with people um, because of your management and your label and different things like that. Uh, is it, are all the connections you're making coming from the label and, and, production and publishing and that kind of thing or are you finding people outside of those those areas does that make sense oh when we first move over you know it was essential to have relationships absolutely right. i hear a lot of stories about people who didn't you need you need in the beginning you know kind of a people call it mentor but i would say it needs to be called cheerleader you need a cheerleader mm. who's behind you because you know in our industry one word and, you know, one recommendation is great, but two recommendations are better, but three are amazing. Sure. So um, to get to the, to the better people to write with, it just doesn't um, help you to write amazing songs. You definitely need people and need to build relationships because you never know. You know, Diane Warren was a waitress when she started. So sure. uh, yeah. 
if a, if a waitress speaks to you in LA, <laughs> you, you can get be sure that in 99% she doesn't want to stay a waitress for the rest of her life. You know what I'm saying? So it's right. um, this ideology of be kind to everyone, be interested in other human beings, be, you know, be, be open-minded. That's key to, it sounds kitschy, but it's pretty much key to a lot of, um, a lot of uh, things which might bring you to the next level. Totally. Right. If you can expand on this a little bit, what's different writing with one artist over another? You know, you know, as, as I'm, I was very, I was not very big here in the record industry. I had, I had a couple of um, bigger names here, like Leona Lewis or um, European Anastasia. I've, I've wrote more European records than, than with uh, big artists here, but I've wrote for a couple of artists. It's, um, you know, always when you have a fantastic singer or great artist in the room, is it's 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 a very different a different feeling. When you, when I recorded Jesse J, for example, that was a thing. You, you just feel, um, you know, what whatever you whatever you assume about these persons is half right and half not. But what what unites them all? They are incredible hard workers. Mm-hmm. They are super super hard to themselves, and you automatically see why they are on the top. That's right. that's what I would say unites a lot of the big guys, and not sure. only big artists, but also big film composers or big TV composers or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- that's a that's a good point. Now. When you're working with Jessie J, I'm just focusing on her because you mentioned her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, recording, recording her. For for people that are listening that are artists and they're they're trying to get their foot in the door, they're trying to get their first record deal, or maybe they just got their first record deal and they're working on an album, and then they have to go in and work with a producer. Um, you know, and it's someone they just maybe met for the first time or just kind of getting getting to know. You know, on a new mm-hmm. level. You know, the producer for people don't know we you know in in a movie the director is one who's telling telling the the actors you know how to do their scenes help to encourage that and sort of set up the scene in music the producer is basically the director they're kind of guiding you know encouraging and helping sort of shape what the song should look sound and feel like so when you're working with someone of the the caliber and level that jesse j is um how do you direct quote unquote and encourage them and kind of help maybe guide them in the way that they're singing a lyric or a melody or something like that? Or do you, or do you just kind of let her take that and do what she does? You do what let she does them best? do their work. Yeah. You, you just are a hundred percent appreciative of what they bring to the table and you mm-hmm. let them do their work. Yeah. And you can, you you just um, assimilate to what they because in that moment they are leading the vocal vocal is always the part of a song which sells a song it's, it's mm-hmm. I mean I don't know how other people see it that's the way I sure. see it, it it's yeah. always 
always like that. Yeah. And, do you? I mean, do you ever at any time make a, a suggestion for a melodic line or something like that, or is it just completely? Sure. No. No. Look, when I'm writing, I'm doing that the whole time. That's sure. that's a procedure of writing. But when right. you're recording and you're playing a song with, I mean, the the song "My Superstar," which I wrote with Nikki Leonti, which ended up the end title credit song of Ice Age Five. Um, Nikki Leonti is already a fantastic, like one of the possible, yeah. one of the <laughs> top five singers in the world. Yeah, and yeah. then you have another top singer on that level recording that song. You know, you just show her the version the one artist did, and then and then you encourage her to do her own thing. I, right. I think that's that's how you try to work. Like what I always hate when I see a lot of vocal producers work is they try to educate instead of working with the artist. They put themselves on a higher level and they try to, um, you know, to brag with their musical knowledge or to, you know, to start playing the piano to show her a note or a tone. I think that's all, all I, I mean. But um, um, I've, I feel uh, you would never, never, ever, see me or hear me doing that because um i have too much respect of all all the artists in the first row you know i'm i'm happy sure. to be in the second row just uh, you know being a producer you're always in the second row because you try to make the artist great right. and try to make her or him sound great try to make her or him express themselves as much as possible and understand their vision and support it that's your basic goal as a producer, mm -hmm. and how you do it—it's it's a complete different different thing. But um, I always try to give the artist as much room as possible. Sure. Can I ask you, uh, when you are producing, what is what is kind of your um, your layout? How do you, when you do when you produce a song? You know, what are your sort of your steps in that you do every time you produce a song? I mean, when when I'm when I'm 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 mostly write off all of the songs I'm producing, so I'm kind of writing. I'm the writing producing guy, so I produce while I write, mm -hmm. and then I you know I get get in for fine tuning afterwards. But I think the whole structure and a lot of the stuff I have in the room, pretty quick outlined. Okay, that's cool. So <laughs> now they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's cool. Sometimes I mean, not so much. Sometimes not. You know, <laughs> sometimes sometimes you 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 know you you hear what you do on the next day, and then you go like, oh, thanks. Mm? Yeah. Um. Let's let's, let's leave it again. to the big guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So now you're like you said, you're focusing on uh, composing and scoring TV and film type projects. Right. Um. What's your favorite thing about doing that? I love I love everything about it because because it's so it's the spectrum is so broad, you know. Um, in a film, uh, for example, scoring a film is completely different than scoring a TV show because you have a different pace of the story. So the music is in a complete different pace and a complete different um, has a complete different function. You know, you for example, you're always in a in a in a feature. I'm doing right now an animated feature for Netflix and a live action feature with Alyssa Milano. And both of these features, you know, have a have a story pace which needs to um, 
needs to evolve after 90 minutes. It's a 90 minute piece, you know, mm -hmm. and so is the music. You got to, you know, there's so many, um, so many um, cues which which have to be which have to develop differently than, for example, in a TV show, in a TV animated show, for example, you have the music, you know, the music takes the first front seat and uh, and uh, can shine like for 10 seconds and then it's it cuts off super hard. But um, in a feature, you really have sometimes the time to to add a flavor through your music that's that's a really big present for a composer so i i like i like the diversity of it i like to you know i like to work parallelly on a animated tv show and on a live action feature that's pretty that you know that keeps you alive <laughs> sure what what do you think is the hardest genre to to compose or score for Look, it's always a genre which is uh, which is not yours. So if you would ask me to score like a, a Japanese death metal movie, I would not be necessarily <laughs> the right person for it. Right. Um, speaking of that, I'm absolutely the opposite of a fan of horror movies. I hate horror movies till the get no. And I know that people are producing it and loving it and blah, blah. I don't at all. Mm -hmm. And so for me to score a horror movie, just not knowing and not loving the genre would be kind of a mess, I guess. Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, so I know you do a lot of animated TV shows, a lot of animated right. uh, cartoons. Mm -hmm. um, how is that different from doing a live action show? Like for TV? I the the um, uh, the role of the music is different. For example, in a live action movie, you try to uh, be out of the way with your music. Mm -hmm. So you try to in an adult live action movie, you try to let the adults have their conflicts and you know and create your music music around it around them and help them and support them in animation in an animation. Um, show in an 11 minute animation um, episode with there's like music you know wall on wall so uh, it can be that you do like 30 seconds of a big orchestral adventure theme which goes very quick in an urban hip-hop kind of thing so it's um it's you got to help the pictures you got to help the animatics differently to 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 shine than you would do ever in an adult uh Live action movie, so yeah. it's it's a complete different mindset. What you need, and mm -hmm. what I do sometimes, I sometimes when I score a live action movie, I actually wear other things as when I, you know, as when I um, do do an animated um, TV show or so. You know, I always try to assimilate to that. <laughs> Oh, it's like you wear like different type clothing for yes, it. Yes, yes, oh, yeah? absolutely. Yeah, sometimes yeah. I wear you know like a proper shirt when I score like a big orchestral scene, and sometimes sure. I wear like a cool hip hop shirt when I you know oh, know yeah. oh yeah I have some more just to put yourself you know, in the moment. Yeah, totally. Get, do some more beats oriented uh, music and have fun sure. with it. It's just different. <laughs> sure. No, that makes sense. That's that's clever. You know, that yeah. help, helps put you in that, in that moment, which is Oh really yeah, cool. totally. I love to do that. It's, it's a little bit, you know, coming out of my acting background. Oh, of course. Yeah. Well, and that helps as well. So, and that's a really cool thing to point out is that because you have that acting background and you've been in theater and, and just kind of in 
both worlds in the entertainment world from acting and in music as well that I think that gives you a little bit of a different perspective and maybe a, a different edge um, and a, an advantage of sorts you know that people some people don't have if they don't come out of the acting world into music itself because you see you know where the kind of how the beats land when acting like when when I was an actor and I was always one of the biggest abilities you need to have as an actor is to listen is to listen to the, your director to just to understand your director and when I speak these days in my studios you know when I have producers and directors over and they explaining me their project and what they want to feel when they hear the music so I definitely I, I'm listening and I try mm -hmm. to um, more than to you know come up with my biggest ideas I first I want to you know, translate their ideas into music. So. Right. So mm -hmm. whenever you first sign on to do a project, you're meeting with the producers and the directors, executive producers, whoever that are putting it together to, to collaborate with them to create the music, right? Like they, they're telling you, we've got this idea and then you're helping to shape and fashion that idea. Yeah. Into, you know, into you score. must imagine, you must imagine um, producing a director, works already on the movie since two or three years in animation maybe like th since four years before you mm. come in because right. you come in at post you know and um and it's very very important just to hear about their procedure about their process about their thoughts about what they want and what they don't want and it's sometimes really hard to translate because you know sometimes when they speak music they they are not um not right away uh, what what some people I know that some people are expecting that you know directors and filmmakers need to speak music I don't think they need to speak music at all why <laughs> Be, you know they 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 speak so many other languages they speak already visual art they speak uh, storytelling and when the director says I just want a music to be cool I mean sometimes that's enough then you you just do the cool you think it is and when he says oh no that's not cool enough then you try harder you know that's yeah. it's it's already the the um what is important for me I mean that also links to the question you had before about rela building relationships you mm -hmm. you also in these moments you're building relationships you're you know you're just opening up and and showing them that you're able to work with with them and and willing to work with them because if you if you're not you can always say that you can say you know what your idea sucks I don't want to work with you that that mind that 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 is actually a legit thing too because if you feel it doesn't work for you at all you know um you want japanese death metal and i don't i i love it but i just don't know how to do it or i don't like it myself but maybe you know it's it's yeah. really hard when it uh, so um i think the luxury which i have right now is that a lot of projects which are coming my way are coming already from people who i worked with already and who know me who actually sold me with their project, that's like a huge luxury. I always wanted to get in that situation that that I don't have to pitch for something because I usually, I you know, I'm pitching and pitching and pitching. So right. for, for, for that pitching thing, I have a funny story. I was like, when my manager introduced me to DreamWorks Animation, um, in that year I was pitching like for 15 shows and 14 of those shows, I completely lost. I never heard back. 
Nobody got ever back to me. And show 15 was a DreamWorks animation show. I was pitching for the theme song and I wrote like not one idea. I wrote like five ideas, but actually four ideas were of them I thought really, really great. And then I started a five, fifth idea and I was like, oh, I don't know. I, I don't have the power anymore. To I already did so much for this pitch. I, I don't know if I should finish it. And my manager said, you finish that, you, but, but, but go, man, you, you need to, I want to, I want to pitch everything you do. And I go like, okay. So I finished this fifth version and I was not happy with it. And, uh, you know, and then he submitted it. And, um, so I, that's the one that got it. That's the one which <laughs> got the theme song right. for um, the show All Hail King Julian, which got me an Emmy nomination. So, oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I learned in this moment that I just don't know anything. Well, <laughs> well, and also don't give up when you feel like you don't want to keep going. You know, I think that's yeah. such an important thing. It's like, you know, I'm tired. I want to, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go on to something else. But, you know, if you, if you keep, pushing and working you know that's when the magic happens even though you may not think you know someone else that you know just don't give up i think that's the main thing is just don't give in and don't give up on on something you know just go the extra extra mile and put the work into it and then there and then you end up getting an emmy nomination <laughs> you know so no it's it's you know it's actually true because I also, a friend of mine um, who is a great, who is a freaking amazing composer, he sends me sometimes some of his students. And um, I had one student from New York here. And it was so funny. He asked me, I'm still speaking about this relationship thing. So sure. um, yeah. he um, he asked me, hey, man, where can I get like in L.A.? Where would you like uh go go and do some relationships where can i build start building relationships here in la do you know like a networking cafe or something where i should go where mm. other people like music supervisors hang out and stuff right and then i um i said i know this place exactly and then i pointed with two fingers on my keyboard and i said to him this is where you network and he didn't get it because mm. he was thinking I was, you know, I was, you know, giving him like an address of a, of a great cafe. But I, what I basically told him is like, get your music to a better point where it is right now. And at a, at a, at a certain moment, people will hear it. You, the, the only place you, ne you really network is when you try to make your music better as it is right now. That's the best and only legit way of networking right and um yeah i hope he he got his music better because his music sucked <laughs> <laughs> well have you talked to him since like have you heard any of his stuff since that no i've never that heard of him never heard of him. okay uh, no maybe maybe it's a good thing maybe he's he's still in his studio and works on his music so <laughs> working on it. yeah well hopefully that's hopefully that is the case and it's getting better no, um, that's what I, I, I know it for myself. I do it like every day. I try to get better every day. Is it like, you know, I'm still taking taking music lessons. I'm still, you know, to refresh my mind, to make the palette bigger. 
mm-hmm. I'm still uh, watching like every Pensados mix kind of uh, thing to just to get that backing vocals a little bit more smooth and uh, and watching tutorials to to you know where to put um, where you know which reverb to use on what. So it's it's really really important in our industry industry that you keep learning the whole time because right. everybody's getting better so fast and you know i see it on my kids like my kids are 11 13 and um they both have such a wide range of taste of music taste and what they like you know it's um they sometimes come to the studio and correct me and, and tell me which snares to use or which snares oh. not to use you know <laughs> so you get There's nothing you get, like having your kid tell you how to fix something that you do for a living right and and they be correct i but i love it but that's yeah, it's amazing. that's also that's also the beauty about the music business because you know um in in music business there's something which which uh, age and youth has a lot of meaning here because mm-hmm. uh, pop culture is always something which is connected to youth and when you're getting older and older and uh, trying to um um you know trying to replicate it you see at a certain point you just naturally lose uh, lose sight so but you, but there are so many ways where you can keep yourself updated and uh, it's just the you know Keep your plugins updated. Keep your gear updated. It's it's what you got to do, you know. <laughs> right. So, cut to if we can sort of expand on that. I'm just, what would you? What's some advice that you would give for for producers, people that are fairly new in this, in the composing, right. producing world for TV and sync that kind of thing. So, um, so what, one one big advice is. Um, as I said earlier, I have a I have a fantastic dad who is a who's an extraordinary cellist and conductor. Mm-hmm. And um, when I just had my first hit, and I wanted to buy a mixing console, which was way too too expensive, and um, I I was just not knowing if I I knew if I if I buy that then I don't have money like for for a couple of months I I just don't know what to do but I needed it so bad because I knew it would improve my art and improve mm-hmm. my craft or whatever right. so I asked him daddy what would you do and then he said to me so do you want to be the best producer of the world or the second best sure. and in that yeah. moment I realized what he's saying you gotta invest in yourself. You gotta believe in yourself, but even more, as a sign to yourself to believe in yourself, you gotta invest in yourself. If you don't work with the gear, people work now in our days. You know, when you like a Post Malone record and don't know how Louis Bell produces it, then get to know it, then get into it. Mm -hmm. Try to understand why the kick knocks so hard. Try to understand which vocal effects are on on his vocal chain. Try to get behind it and try to invent something which makes it for your artist or for you for your work. The same in film and score music. You know, listen to everything what you um what you hear, but always try to to make it uh, uh, you know coming from your heart and um, from from your passion and from your intellectuality and not from 
from the minds of somebody else because that's already there you know right <laughs> i don't want to sure. i don't want i don't want to be a second uh, john williams or a second hans zimmer though i admire those to till the get no but i definitely um i'm happy to to be alex geringer so sure yeah that's great uh thank you for for that encouragement for people when you're scoring a tv show let's say it's a half hour TV show. Mm-hmm. How how long of that 30 minutes is the actual score typically for you? That's, you know, within the 30 minute show, how long, how much of a score is it? There's, that 30 there's minutes, no typically? much, no much of a 30 minutes format. So I, I'm for me in, in my world, at least. So I'm, I'm having a lot like of a 22, 23 minute format right. where I'm, where I feel like out of those 22 minutes, you know, you have a theme song in the, in the beginning mostly. And then you have, I think like 20 minutes are definitely filled with music for sure. So it's pretty much the whole thing for you. It's wall to wall. And in animation and in animation TV shows, very, very often wall to wall. And even if they say, ah, it's not quite wall to wall, that means instead of 20 minutes, it's 19 and a half. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, right. it's sure. uh, animation always needs a lot of music and wants a lot of music and, and is great with a lot of music. So, yeah. because I think you're the, you're the first person I think I've talked with that, that does a lot of animation music. So, and it's so, you know, when it's cartoons, it's so quirky anyway. You know, so the music is a lot of times kind of a, a quirky thing for for a kid's, you know, cartoon. So, like, where do you get the inspiration to come up with whatever you come up with for an animated show? Uh, first of all, I, I never, ever write music for kids. This is never. I never try, oh, I'm doing it kid-friendly. That's... That's the first rule in making animation songs and music nowadays mm-hmm. that you never ever do that. So if you do that, it, it just just sounds sounds like thirty, forty years old. Nobody does that nowadays. Right, right, gotcha. So we always uh, try to approach it. You know, um, try to make current amazing songs which kids listen to and which kids like but which is also you know legit for for us which we like to hear sure and um yeah so that's one of the one of the things i love about working working in that uh, genre yeah yeah i used to do um a kid's character i have a character called cowboy marty <laughs> that, <laughs> that i used to do cool. and i yeah and i used to go around in songs for kids programs and things like that and um (laughs) and and i always when i and i i recorded an album and i wanted to make sure that when i wrote the music for that that it was you know music that adults would enjoy to listening to even though it's you know it's focused on kids because usually the the adults liked more than the kids did (laughs) you you know of course yeah so um so that makes complete sense when I was an actor, I was in the German cast of Sesame Street, and I was like four years there, Alex the musician, and um, you know we got to we got to play a lot. Uh, we always had had great scripts which were educational for the kids, but you know we were we were taking the kids very seriously, and we were talking with them with like friends and you know encouraging them, 
and not like poking them like uh, uh, like they're forever small. So um, and that's very very important um, also for the health and the growth of kids to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. And that means also to for me as a composer and songwriter is it it means that I need to take the kids very seriously in in the music I'm making for them. You know. Mm-hmm. Sure. And when when I have and when I hear some people saying, "Oh yeah, I'm do, you're doing kids' music," I said, "No, I'm not doing kids' music. I'm doing music for kids. That's something else. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely. Not, that's not kids' music." <laughs> right. No, that makes complete sense. Yeah. So that's cool. Um, now, when Hope and I were talking, when she was on the show, and she was explaining a little bit of what she does um, for you on sort of the, the back end admin side and you're creating music and then sending it to her and she has to kind of get it all lined up or whatever mm-hmm. she has to do. Um, that was just a really fascinating thing for me to hear that of how that worked. Cause I never kind of understood the inner workings of, you know, scoring a show on the inside and kind of right. what all that in- entails. So. I mean, hope is one of my two assistants and okay. she, um, she does a lot of um, technical stuff. So she she really, um, you know, after you, for example, you score an episode and you have a lot of previews going back with the directors and producers. So you, you give every, every, every time you present something to them, you give them a preview where you have all your cues in and you send it to them and you know await their notes and then they come back with notes and then you have to open up every project again and revise it revise it revise it revise it then you need to do another preview and send it out to them until it's approved and when it's approved it needs to go to stage that means it meet it needs to be ready in the format the mixer of the whole show needs to have it and this is a procedure which takes between four and six hours for eleven uh, for twenty two minutes to do, mm-hmm. and um, you know after you scored an episode, and especially me, I'm like so many people, I'm a family guy, and and I also need my kids to see me, which is just really important because because this is also you know you take so much of your working life uh, you take out of your private life and uh, and I I'd love to 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 be in the studio but I also love to spend time with my kids so it's very important that somebody else comes in and does work where I don't necessarily need my creative mind to put in right and for for the assistants it's great because they're f- more fresher in the business and they learn while they're opening my project, they of course see how I get get stuff done, and they also, you know, and it's just just another experience. Like when you when you're um, a young aspiring composer, one of the biggest things you really need is experience, and you can't get that. You can't get enough of it. You you want to have it like every day in everything, you know. So I feel like um, that's that's definitely a great way to be part of it and um, I actually though it was sometimes nerving when I was in that position I enjoyed doing this so <laughs> I yeah, hope, sure. hope enjoys it too <laughs> I know she no, does. I know she does no, <laughs> she's she, amazing she she told me how amazing it was and I thought that was the coolest thing is she gets to be a part of that uh, with you guys oh yeah no no but she's also she's for example hope is is very um, um, very unique you know she she has a 
she has a great great voice so so she's finding her her composer identity uh, right now and doing like a lot of um you know working working in her compositions with her voice that's very interesting i i can't wait to to hear more where it leads to so i will definitely you know involve her also differently in um in future stuff yeah that's looking awesome. forward to that that's cool yeah mm -hmm. how would you advise people that are wanting to kind of get into where you guys are so even to get into a position like hope has with you um you know people are moving to la or new york or wherever that where they can do composing and kind of be in that world like how would you suggest people get into that world just be annoying be, an, be, <laughs> be annoying. absolutely annoying be nerf other people just you know just knock on cold call people you know there is no not not a real recipe to to get into this business it's it, it's not it's you it's so funny when you have some leverage then you might think it's easier but it's not because you always start with every new project you start from a new it's it's not really getting better you know i'm still losing so many pitches and um but some of them i actually win but right. <laughs> that's still an exception yeah. And I still have to prove always to the same people who know me so well, but because their companies need to have this pitch situation over and over again, they let me pitch and pitch again. And, you know, some pitches, I, like I said, I'm also winning, but the most pitches I'm, I'm losing because there are so many different kinds of music. And, and uh, for somebody else, this show was a way better fit or for somebody else was this show a way better fit. Mm -hmm. And just coming into this industry, you know, you, you, like going back to the story of, of that student I was, I was having at my, at my studio, you know, you need before you knock on doors, you need to have something which is so good that people actually would listen to that. So I okay. recommend getting your uniqueness out, you know, like get something in your hands with what you can knock actually on doors. When you just say, hey, I'm here, I'm just a very nice guy or a very nice girl and I want to work with you, nobody nobody will will get it. Like, I, I always look for, I always want to work with people. Um, I don't like the hierarchy thing so much. So I, I, I'm looking always for people who I can somehow look up to myself, you know? Mm -hmm. I try always to hire somebody from whom I can learn something myself or who can do something I am not so great at. Okay. And um, opposed to, you know, I can I can serve myself my, my coffee and I can even order food on, on my own. So it's, um, I don't need an assistant for that. Sure. And um, so I would, I would recommend to aspiring composers just, you know, get your craft on get get something great in your hands and then be annoying with it like you know go to the composers you want to work with get them on facebook get them on insta write them they never write back try it a second time you didn't try hard enough try harder you know right that's what my so, manager would always say to me if i'm just um crying about something which which i don't get cracked i said but i tried everything and then he said no man you got to try harder and he's right <laughs> Right. Sure. So, um, 
that's interesting that to me that to hear you say to reach out to the actual composers themselves and just keep keep at it keep at it keep at it um and i say that because i've had other people say uh, and everybody's different and i get that it's a, it's all opinion and everyone's got their their thoughts mm-hmm. on it um and there's maybe not necessarily one correct way to do it there's multiple ways to get into the industry obviously. oh totally i agree um tell me about rare behavior what your your production company that you do that you have and yeah. what you guys yeah, do sure. and tell me about that a little bit so rare behavior started a couple of years ago when um we saw that we're getting so many different pitches and um we realized oh my god i can't jump on that because you know i'm i'm either busy or that's actually not my kind of shoes and um yeah, then we just started uh, um, very naively reach out to friends as I called some friends and said, hey, man, can you help me with that? Um, uh, can you help out here in this direction? Can you help out in this direction? And um, yeah, and so we so we decided, why don't we just, you know, uh, form a company and um, and help other people get into into this job? Um, by creating opportunities for them. Hmm. And um, yeah, and then, you know, we wouldn't call ourselves like managing company because we are not managers, but but we definitely, you know, if it's the right uh, fit, then we try to connect the people and um, just help them a little out and it starts to work out. We hired a person who, you know, who is like our in-house agent who helps, you know, those people um, we are featuring a little bit, and mm-hmm. all, besides that, we we um, we're building a music um, music um, library, and um, um, also we'll do in that direction way more things in the future. So we're lining up a couple of uh, new relationships to get bigger and bigger. But that's like um, we had already one of our guys placed, for example one hour of music in an ABC show and and did a theme. Another guy, you know, just got a big, um, big license for, for a new movie. So we have, we have a couple of things which are coming up and which are coming out of this uh, thing. And also two of the guys who are, um, besides, besides that both my assistants are there too, but also two other guys are helping me um, writing music on, on, uh, on another feature and on another TV show. So it's, um, you know, they work also in my projects too. So, yeah. yeah. So when people are on your website and they're looking, you know, they're trying to get into composing or, or sync music or whatever, mm-hmm. um, can they reach out to you and say, hey, we've got music, uh, you know, we're trying to, sure. you know. No, we can- sure. If, if, it's, if it's great, I'm, I mean, we have, we have people who are listening to that music and then mm-hmm. if it's great, they forward it to us. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah. No. Don't. Don't. Um, um, don't hesitate to reach out. For sure. Are there? That's what it's for. Sure. Is there uh, particular genres of music that you're that you're looking for, or that you're trying to work with? You know, because there are certain types of projects that you're working on, or you no. up for whatever. No, not at all. Like you know, like I said, um, you know, just living in LA and getting to experience that. Um, um, that diversity it's it's such an amazing thing right now you know there are so many 
more streaming services which are coming up, there's so much more opportunity in TV and film than it ever was before for composers mm -hmm. too. Yeah. So if you're doing Japanese death metal, we'll find a place. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I actually did. I actually did a Japanese death metal song, and it's super funny. But it's. Oh um, um, but I, what I'm, I always try to to name something which is pretty much really far away from what I usually would do. Right. But, uh, but yeah, no. For example, you know, like Nashville, we 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 don't have so much Americana and country yet, and there's a big re there are so many requests which have which have exactly that style i mean we're starting to work with more and more people but we're definitely interested please reach out to us at uh, rarebehavior.com and, and um you you definitely i'm i can assure in the most <laughs> in the most ways you you get an answer so yeah yeah that's cool well we'll put a link in the show notes so people can check Oh, please check do out your, your website and i appreciate um, it you know if yeah. people are you know trying to i know tons of people that are that are in this part of the industry and trying to be you know successful in that so any any opportunities that you know someone if someone can help fill a void that you have you know and um and be kind of help everyone rate everyone's boat raise up together and that kind of thing then you know we're always trying to help make those yeah. connections for people so yeah cool yeah that um, good. It, any any last words of wisdom that you would give either either on you know for composers producers in the sync world or people yeah. wanting to work in the pop world you know as a producer kind of a thing because you've had so much success or as a songwriter man you've had success on so many things and that's what i love that's one of the reasons i wanted to have you on because you've been successful you know as a producer as a songwriter as a composer right. you know in so many different things you know if there's if there's um one word which describes my my professional life the most is then it would be focus mm. so when i um you know when i was an actor and i started already to do music and it, it was great doing both together and it was so kind of convenient and cool to jump from one to the other but the success came in that moment when i started to focus when my manager told me, hey, don't do so much recording business, just try to focus on film and TV, that's my gut feeling that that this is the right thing for you. I started to focus on that and just give it a try. And, um, and till today, I am, you know, even if I would love to maybe sometimes write more songs just for writing songs, I focus on film and TV and I love it that way mm -hmm. and if 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 you're speaking of you know advice or or like you call it words of wisdom i would really say get your thing you feel the most comfortable at because there are so many opportunities in our business to pick one thing you know you can be an engineer producer you can write songs for artists you can you know you can be you can be a film composer or a tv composer like myself or whatever um i would say just get yourself one thing and one goal and focus on that goal and um that definitely helped me so far in so many situations and also the other the the opposite was when i was not focused it didn't help me at all it like confused me even more so yeah sure yeah that, that makes sense <laughs> um 
man, thank you so much. I, I, I know oh, I could pleasure, talk to you man. another. I know I could talk for, for another hour or two, but you've got a session coming up here in a few minutes, so I, yes, I want to let true. you go. But because <laughs> uh, you're a busy man, but thank you thank for you. coming it. on and and sharing your your words of wisdom and your expertise and <laughs> it was um, fun in, in your story. I'm so I'm so glad. Um, and I hope people will take what we've talked about and they'll find ways to implement these nuggets that you've shared and put them into practice into their careers, because I know that's, well, you know, you've been ex extremely successful. And so if so someone just takes a, a fraction of what you talked about and will put it into practice into their, into their careers, then, you know, that will just help them along the way. And, you know, they can only get better, you know? So that's what we want is we want everyone to be successful at what they do. There's, there's room for everyone in this business. And also, you know, success is also, for me, a big thing of um, being happy is also successful, being successful, you know? Sure. So absolutely. when you're, when you're happy with what you're doing and when you really feel this is the thing for you, because, you know, sometimes you, you sometimes you feel it's maybe on days it it's not, but, but um, if you find that happiness, then, then I'm sure it radi radiates to, to many other um, situations and people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and I hope you have a great rest of the day and look forward to, to hearing more of your work and we'll make sure people know where they can go see, check out all the work that you've, that you've done on your website and see some of the different projects that you've been a part of. So. Oh, thank you so much. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Have a great day. You too, sir. Bye-bye. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, there you have it. And what a great episode. There is so much amazing information that Alex was able to share today. And so I hope that you're able to kind of dig in and, and piece out what it is that you need specifically that helps you for your career. Uh, please let me know. I would love to hear from you to know what you're thinking, how things are working out for you, what you're taking away from these episodes, these interviews with all these amazing people um, that have been doing this for so long and, and have been very successful in what they do. Um, and I love that they're willing to come on and to share their stories and give you guys advice on how you can do it yourselves. So please let me know. You can email me at contact at johnmartinkeith.com. You can reach me there. You can also reach me on the You Can Make a Living in the Music Industry podcast page on Facebook. Please go there. Please like the page. If Wherever you're listening to this podcast, whatever platform you're on, would you please subscribe to that podcast and like it and share it with everyone that you know. Let's continue to get the word out. To, to people all around the world about what we do and what we love to do and continue helping other people as well. Remember, Edenbrook Productions is here to help if you need consulting services via phone call, Skype, Zoom, or FaceTime. Please let us know how we can help you begin to make a living in the music industry.